to the first ever edition of Best Coast Football. I am Tim Kelly. Uh, a, I'm uh, Cody Peterson. Cody Peterson. We are college football fans. Cody is a alum alumnus. Is that the correct word? Alumnus. Yeah, I think I think the plural is alumni. Alumni of the oh alumnus of uh, the University of Southern California. I didn't go to a Pac-12 school. I went to a uh, private liberal arts Lutheran school in Tacoma, Washington. But I grew up an hour and a half away from Seattle and grew up going to Washington Husky games. So, yes, a big, a big Pac-10 fan, and it's morphed into the Pac-12. And, uh, Cody, what are we doing here with this podcast? We're going to talk about Pac-12 football once a week. And we're going to share our thoughts. We're going to try to be thoughtful, but also maybe a little bit silly. And uh, you will dispense your trivia and wisdom. And I will probably, I don't know, dispense um, near Clay Travis right-wing talking points or something. I don't know. We're going going here. Well, yeah, we will – our goal, like Cody said, is once a week with the uh, posting of Thursday mornings. Um, and so every, every late Wednesday, early Thursday, you'll have a uh, new Best Coast uh, football podcast, wherever your podcasts are. Uh, kind of and, briefly. And you mentioned, you, you mentioned that we're both fans yes. of certain teams. What are, what are our goals with regards to how impartial we're trying to be here? How impartial are you trying to be? I guess is what I'm trying well, to ask I, you, Tim. I'm, I'm trying to be impartial. Uh, as a, uh, or, or how impartial are you trying to pretend to be? Pretend to be. Um, well, I have distanced myself a little bit as a fan of the University of Washington. I got to cover them. I worked in Seattle radio for a couple of years, and I got to cover their uh, practices and games. So that was cool. But uh, And my family had season tickets for – about 25 years, but, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, uh, you have even commented that I don't seem uh, as into them as I once was, uh, but, uh, or as passionate about them as I once was. So maybe this is just bringing that passion back. Your, your coals are burning low. Someone needs to stoke that fire. Yeah. You're going to stoke that fire. What, what about for you? I mean, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I can't pretend that there's more than one team I really truly care about out of these 12 teams. Um, but, you know, I think we, we will probably wind up, you know, by subconsciously talking about those two teams a little bit more than, you know, the others, but I think maybe we'll try to cover them all and um, be as impartial as we can. We we're going to talk about kind of all the teams today. And we, since you're more of a, a fan of a team in the North and I'm a fan of a team in the South, we're going to, we, we tried to, assign the opposite division to each other to kind of try to be somewhat uh, balanced in our commentary. Yeah. So absolutely. we'll do, we'll do our best. And uh, you know what Sean Connery said about your best in the rock. So uh, something about the uh, prom king. It's, prom it's usually good enough. I, I think he yeah. said your best is usually good oh. enough. I think it's what he said. I, oh, but there's nothing about the prom queen. <laughs> nothing about the prom queen. So, yeah. Um, this is a family. Uh, yeah, yes. we're gonna keep the family thing. Yeah, keep it. So family we'll just we'll, we'll just dub that. Dub that. Rip, rip. I didn't even say any bad words. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, briefly, like like I mentioned, uh, I got into 
college football going to games, UW games, I think starting in either 89 or 90 with my family when and that was the most dominant era of UW football, a national championship in there. So just kind of stuck with me, got to know all the people around and passion carried over. And like I said, uh, maybe needed the fire to be stoked a little more. Uh, I, not a huge fan of the new stadium. I mean, it's great, but it's kind of NFL light, if you will. I, I- I don't know how you can have that take. It's a far superior like seating arrangement. For well, no, it's a it's a better it's and... a better stadium, but it's it's very it's very corporate now, you know. Yeah, you know, I sold out and all the yada yada yada. I like them. I like the Huskies before they sold out, but they're just mm. doing a cheap imitation of a of an NFL game, in my opinion. The band has been minimized. The student section has been minimized. I understand it's all about the almighty dollar, but <clears throat> here we are. So. That's where I'm at. The family went to the first season there of the, of the Ramado Stadium, but we season tickets were given up shortly. The people we all sat with, all, well, a lot of them have passed on, rest in peace. But uh, the groups that were still alive, you know, kind of splintered. And here we are. And how, how did you get into USC football? Obviously, you went there. Yeah, I think – I honestly don't think I'd – I think I watched a single USC football game before I attended the school, like on television. So I was clearly not a fan. Uh, but once I got there, uh, I think my freshman year, we were like a preseason, like number eight. So we were supposed to be good. Um, wound up being, you know, the year Matt Leiner took over as the starter and Reggie Bush was a freshman. And uh, so like a disputed national championship that year. AP national championship didn't go to the BCS game, but 12 and one. Um, and then uh, an undisputed and later vacated national championship the following year. Right. And then, um, and then the, a heartbreaking loss to Texas in the championship game, my junior year, and then a gut wrenching season ending loss to UCLA my senior year that knocked us out of the championship contention. So um, kind of was there for the height of the the Pete Carroll glory days and um, yeah caught caught the fever I, I worked for the team I did video so I was around the program a little bit more than the average student and uh, I'm a dad now and I don't I don't get to spend nearly as much time watching football as I probably would otherwise like to but um, yeah I, I do not miss a game unless there's some um, significant commitment that uh, un- i need to prioritize circumstances yeah and, yeah and i believe the game that you're talking about the first game uh we watched together it would have been we did we watched it in your in your basement with my college roommate and other really good friend eli lum yeah. watched the rose bowl michigan usc yeah yeah but i mean and also your first game right i believe we watched the orange bowl the 2003 orange bowl did we watch that together? Oh, uh, yeah. I think we watched it. I believe we watched it at a, a, another friend's Costco's. We're just... I, I, I think that's accurate. Yeah. All right. So we've covered why we yes. care. Yes. Let's, let's, let's catch up to today yep. and where, where we're at. So um, before we dive into the upcoming season, there's kind of, kind of some earth-shattering news going on with the conference with... Um, let's... Well, college football in general now specifically the Pac-12 has is, is re- responding to that today with some other conferences but um, with as of about a month ago Texas and Oklahoma basically 
sending sending a memo to their peers in the Big 12 and saying, uh, we may not want to divorce you now, but we're definitely divorcing you later in the SEC, yeah. accepting them essentially, you know, basically as soon as they can come in if at the latest in 2025. Um, so it's a pretty momentous shift. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are probably two of the 10 biggest brands in college football um, in, in viewership and um, leaving a crater in their wake whenever they do leave the Big 12. Um, and that has kind of definitely spooked um, these other conferences. So today, officially, the Big 10 ACC and Pac-12 announced an alliance, a paper-thin. It's not even a paper-thin alliance because there's not actually any contracts that have been signed associated with this alliance. There's no It was the way they looked at each other, though, right? I believe that was yeah, there was a, it was Yeah, it was more of a vibe thing. <laughs> um, so they've, they've promised to promise. I don't know. I don't know. But they've essentially kind of signed, they haven't signed anything, but they've come to some sort of gentleman's agreement uh, to, to not be aggressive towards one another's members, I think, and to probably pump the brakes on um, college football playoff realignment. I think, I think they're all spooked that essentially Greg Sankey and the SEC have some diabolical master plan that they're not in on and they want to slow things down and make sure they don't get taken to the cleaners. Um, but I don't know, Tim, I mean, what do you think, what do you think is driving all this all of a sudden? It's kind of a, an odd time for middle of the summer, you know, these, the, the current playoff structure is still years away. Like what, why is this happening now? Yeah. I mean, I guess we've always kind of seen the cracks of the foundation, right? Even what was it 10 years ago? Uh, the memo when you, uh, the PAC 12 was trying to, uh, poach those same two schools, Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, there was right. a memo. So, yeah. yeah. To be clear, the Pac-12 does not have any moral high ground no. here because they definitely tried to steal the same two schools when, no. when they, you know, and when we initially formed. No, I, I think I think just the the TV rights. I mean, the live games have continued to um, carry on, go go up, continue to go up. The SEC. I mean. Uh, we were talking about when you first went to uh, USC and your uh, your sophomore year when the uh, Trojans won the national title, and uh, Auburn, an SEC school, undefeated and got left out of the playoff. So that was, I mean, 17 years ago is a long time, but really, you know, the SEC has been just the powerful brand, and um, these TV contracts are always changing and live sports is what people want. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing. They're just trying to, you know, you, you, you take what the SEC is doing. Okay. We've got the Southwestern schools now, you know, get them involved. Maybe we go for the big, uh, you know, the Michigans, the Ohio States. And, you know, as let, I said, let me throw out, let yeah. me throw out this theory. So I think there's a couple things. One, the, the playoff structure there, you know, it, four years away but they're planning to change it right um to go from like say four to eight or four to twelve twelve was the number that they they threw out um that this committee recommended and now it's kind of up for debate so you've got the playoff changing and and you know to your point the, the the tv dollars around that can change and i think the question is like okay that's a pretty big pile of money how many teams are going to get to participate in that? Mm-hmm. 
And I, to me, the SEC going and poaching these two huge programs is at least kind of positioning themselves to say, well, 12 team playoff. We just propose that essentially there's no requirement to be a conference champion. The conference championship conference champions get the top seeds, but you don't have to, to get in. And so why don't we get a bunch of powerful schools and we'll put four or five teams in the, in the playoff every year and get at least half of that money. And, or as I should say, or conversely, like, are we seeing division one fracture into some sort of um, have and have not to like additional tier? Like, are we seeing the, the beginning of there essentially being, you know, a division one, a, if you will, that truly competes for championships, 30, 40, 50 teams and the other 60, 70 face the reality that they're never actually going to win a championship and aren't actually in that division. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's tough because I, I people I think, listening can't see your face, but your face says you don't think that that's what's happening. Well, no, I do. I do think it's happening, but, it, but it's also tough. Well, the problem with the sec is there is what five or six really good programs. And then the other six think, or five. We or could six, make that argument about any, no, any no, major, but, major, conference absolutely but i'm just saying is like the reputation of the conference lsu has had multiple coaches win national championships alabama was you know kind of dormant for about you know a decade before uh saban got there he got them around auburn's won national titles with different coaches or gotten to title games with different coaches um but, georgia uh, and florida have have yes. some yeah history have some history Tennessee does for recent recent success, but but you know Tennessee. That then when you start looking at a Tennessee, you're going into the '90s. Then, then you've got the Kentuckys, the Vanderbilts, the South Carolinas, and the Arkansas. The Arkansas, who you know, that, then you're looking at the '60s. Then you got Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Okay, then you got A and M, who historically you know was good, but hasn't really been particularly great outside of not a national title contender good though no no but and then you got missouri you know i i don't know i think i think they're i i just saying like people act like the sec and, and here comes my west coast bias right you know south carolina vanderbilt kentucky mississippi mississippi state they'd be bottom tier teams out here too you know that's how i that's how I feel about that. They're, they're very, they're, their top teams are the best teams. Absolutely. Uh, you can't argue with the success, but I also just think that their, uh, their bottom gets a pass of uh, considered really good when it's like, nah, Vanderbilt is garbage. And even when uh, uh, James Franklin turned them around, I mean, he had a year where he went two and six in conference, but he won his four non-conference games and got to a bowl game. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think? I think Greg Sankey's probably the savviest. Oh, absolutely. Exe executive, you know, leading a conference. So what do you think he's trying to accomplish? Just, just more dollars per, yeah, more dollars per school. Get more teams in there. And, and you and I've talked about this before. The teams, you know, we laugh, we laugh at the South, right? Everybody. Oh yeah. But you know, I the, don't, I oh. lived in Houston, Texas and I respect and revere oh, get out the of South. Here. Get out of here. 
you lived, not anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, the SEC has been smart. I've been one step ahead of everybody. Like, you know, kind of really one of the first ones to, well, not, not expect, well, they, you know, let teams in, not the first ones to expand, but they have, they've kept the eight game conference schedule. They have their teams encourage them to play four cupcakes, really, for the most part. Not all of them do, but, you know, or if they play a neutral site game, it's a neutral site game in Atlanta, which is centrally located to most of them. And um, they I think you could I think you could make the case that they've made the smartest media deal and that, yeah, and that they've, yep. they've partnered with ESPN, which is the most influential, yep. um, you know, sports outlet. Yep. And so they've they've been able to promote themselves in that way as as the premier yep. conference. They've they've got the SEC network which focuses on their content, but then they still have the expertise of ESPN to actually produce Absolutely. their that content as opposed to the Pac-12 which is like trying to do it on their own and producing mediocre content and not even getting picked up on major distribution channels or yeah. Uh, yeah. services. Yeah. yeah. Curious, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think that's a big I think that's a big part of it. And uh, you know, we can go down the other roads of uh, local <laughs> media uh, protecting the brands, you know, uh, the, or local media protecting the schools a little more. I feel, but that's a different. This is my this is my theory. I think it's I think it's there's new there's new TV money out there to be had. Yep. There's a new playoff structure on the horizon. NIL. And I think and I think the nil. I think the fact that name, image, and likeness, you, uh, Alabama's quarterback who he played it, he played in the playoff last year a little yeah. bit, maybe mop up duty or whatever. Yeah. But the dude hasn't really played meaningful snaps, and he got eight hundred thousand dollars of <laughs> of branding money, yeah. of income. Yeah. Before he's even taken a meaningful snap as a quarterback of Alabama, the you know if you can. And and Nick Saban knows what he's doing when he mentions that in a press conference, right? So like, I so Keaton Slovis, for example, the quarterback at USC, I don't even know if he could get like a what like an aloe vera deal. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not even sure what he would get. Maybe Her, a, Herbalife. Some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him and him and Drew Brees. Um, maybe uh, you know, maybe like a. Quicksilver board shorts sponsorship or something for like 35 grand or something. But I mean, I don't even know. Like, it, what I'm trying to say is the sheer amount of booster money that probably has been flowing under the table in the South for the last 50 years is now going to be completely out in the open. And this is what I'm talking about with kind of the haves and the have nots, like the blue blood schools with huge fan bases and huge, you know, booster groups that are really well funded. I think it's just going to like, it's going to be impossible for a team like Washington state or even Oklahoma state to compete. I mean, they're like, think about it. You're going to be, you're going to be potentially like quadrupling quintupling your income by going to a different school. It's not even going to be, about where you feel comfortable anymore. It's literally going to be a cash flow projection. So um, I think that's the other thing at, at play here. And um, you, you you have what I, that's why I think 
in the next five years, we're going to see, we're going to see teams like Kansas state, you, you know, or, um, you know, we're going to see the, the mountain West and these other conferences kind of fall even further behind from where they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't see how they're going to be included in the playoff, whatever, whatever playoff plan comes. Yeah. I don't see how they're included. No. And, and that's why I think these other three conferences, the ACC, the big 12 is like, they're beyond freaking yeah, they, out, they have but, yeah. but the ACC big 10 and Pac 12 are also freaking out because they're, it, it seems like they were, they were so caught off guard and Greg Sankey is clearly like three chess moves ahead of them right now. And they're just trying to buy time at this point. And I think primarily like this Alliance is meaningless that they announced today, but I think primarily their intent is to say that we're not moving forward with any changes to the playoff plan until yeah. we, we figure out what the heck is going on. So, well, how dirty was it for Texas and Oklahoma? So just, just to really quickly, like yeah, yeah. on June 10th, the, the expansion working group announced their plans for this 12 team playoff. That working group was, Bob Bowlesby from the Big 12, the commissioner from the Big 12, Greg Sankey from the commissioner of the SEC, and, and two other guys. So that's June 10th, they announced this. Six weeks later, the Houston Chronicle breaks the story that UT and Oklahoma have been in talks with the SEC. And then within a week, UT and Oklahoma have been accepted by the SEC. They've notified the Big 12 they're not coming back in four years, like just like a domino effect of events. And for the SEC to have accepted them, I mean, it's a no-brainer, obviously. But for those events to have gone off in such rapid sequence once the story broke, clearly all the ducks were aligned. And so imagine if you're Greg Zanke, you've been working on this playoff committee with, or sorry, Bob Bowlesby, and you've been working with Greg Zanke on this playoff committee for the last two years. And you know, at least for the last six months, meanwhile, like Zanke has been behind your back trying to steal your two best programs and the only programs that are keeping your conference afloat. Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty cold move. <laughs> I mean, like from a business perspective, you have to respect it. You know, it's just, um, I, you know, it's like, a like, a you know, just business type of thing, like a mafia movie, but from a human perspective, that is a huge personal betrayal. I would have to think so. No, no gift baskets this, this holiday season. <laughs> Uh, yeah so fairly dirty do, do you think the big 12 lasts uh until 2025 20, i honestly the, the only thing that I, I i think keeps it alive is this this alliance i think um the thing is is if the the remaining conference teams they've got to figure out what it's going to be like rats off the ship i think and then the, the other alternative is they line up schools to like replace them. So, right. Like, okay, well, let's go get university of Houston. Let's go get UCF. Let's get three or four schools and we'll try to have, you know, we're clearly going to take a step backwards in terms of, you know, our position in college football, but what, what would to do that, to they're going to have to get Texas and Oklahoma's approval because they're still part of the conference. Yeah. Right. And so like, yeah. I think Texas, Texas and Oklahoma can kind of sabotage and be obstinate. That's not good faith. And, and essentially try to get themselves kicked out of the conference sooner. So I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think it's a coin toss. What What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's very much, 
I mean, hey, what are we, 2021? Yeah, I, I doubt it. I mean, things move so fast. You know, the playoff was just talked about being expanded, and then SEC pulls the move that they pulled. Um, I, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma probably generate 60. I mean, if, if they are not in the conference. Well, Texas has its own the, network. The TV, <laughs> you know? the TV revenue would fall, like, it would drop by three two-thirds or something like that i mean it'd be insane so like if you're two schools you'd want from there right of the remaining kansas i mean kansas because of basketball program and uh texas christian just because you're in the dallas fort worth market maybe i don't know i don't even know that i don't know man yeah i the i was listening to the bruce feldman and and stuart mandel and they were talking about how if you looked at like the 15 best rated games that the big 12 played in like last year, Sir Mandel said Texas or Oklahoma played in all of them. Like they, they, the ratings drop when they're, when those two schools aren't involved is like precipitous. So um, I don't know, I guess one of the things that kind of also has been discussed by the PAC 12 uh, recently kind of, the new commissioner wasn't asked about it um, just because he was on, on camera today, but um, you know, Pac-12 has said that they're going to vote on whether to pursue new members. They're not saying yeah. they're going to be voting on specific members, but they're essentially going to take a, a yes, no vote on whether to add members. Do you, do you think they should add members? And if you, if, if you do, or regardless, who would be your top draft picks? Well, so let me ask you this. Is this a, I mean, it is a fantasy draft. Is it any schools in the country that they could add? Or do I want to be like almost regionally located in a sense? So for example, I think the obvious, I'm, I'm confining myself to the bounds of, of what is reasonably possible in my mind. Now I would have never thought, I honestly wouldn't have never thought that Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC was even reasonably possible. So who knows, I guess, but yeah, I, I, like, for example, Notre Dame would obviously be the most valuable team yeah, to but, immediately add to your conference, yeah. but logistically and for other reasons, I just, I don't see that happening. They're already aligned with the ACC, for example. That, so I yeah. wouldn't put them on the list. And I, and I don't think that, I mean, that's the thing, right? So I don't really know who you would add. I mean, San Diego State doesn't have much market share. Boise State, I mean, do they become less relevant? I think uh, Boise State's on the list. Um, but do they you know, become I, more or less are they Are they less valuable than Washington State? I don't think so. No, but do they be – they're kind of that quirky little, quirky little program that could, you know. I mean, BYU – Maybe you make them paint the grass if they want to join yeah, the conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to go, go green. <laughs> BYU, I mean, you're, you're not going to do that because of the uh, schedule challenges. Uh, I think you're also not going to do that because half of the teams would turn up their nose at a religious school that has certain moral clauses in theirs. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Well, then you got to look at the research institutions. I mean, I mean, then, then you start looking. I mean, I don't know academically, but like I said, there's San Diego State, there's San Jose State, there's New Mexico. I mean, what, what do those – schools bring i guess they're in the thing is, is you're you're not you're you're barely adding to the pie and then you're slicing it up 
even further. I just, I don't, I don't see a lot of programs out there that are additive. I do think TCU could make sense. Maybe Oklahoma state could make sense because they were at least a moderately successful program. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess TCU and the Oklahoma state would be the two best ones because there would be real feasibly or Kansas even. I mean, Kansas, you the thing about Kansas is like football really is where the money is, man. I mean, I, I agree. You probably know the economics better, but I even even an elite basketball program like Kansas has, I, I don't know that it even you know can hold a candle to what a moderately successful football program can bring in. So like oh, I, I don't you're going to bring in one of the absolute worst major conference football teams that exists right now with Kansas. Like they're horrible. I mean. It's- our lifetime they've been just horrendous with the exception of uh man gino era. so i don't know so you so my list what that i wrote down yeah and this is i guess maybe i am not being totally realistic i wrote byu just because yep. they're kind of like a poor man's notre dame they have no. kind of a, a they have fans all over the country because essentially yeah. if you're if you're mormon you kind of root for byu yeah um boise state just because they they are at least they make some geographic sense. And a good market. Uh, the other thing with BYU is there'd be a good rivalry game every year with yep. Utah. I think that would be to bring that one in the, the conference greatest, would be one of the greatest rivalry game names there is too. Yeah, and then TCU and Oklahoma State just kind of picking up a couple major conference teams that are in my mind the best that we could get out of that, out of the Big Twelve if we were poaching teams. Yeah, TCU gets you. I think most people in the Dallas market watch Oklahoma or Texas. I don't really oh, think they well, watch yeah. TCU, <laughs> but theoretically Oklahoma, you, right? you're adding a team from Texas and um, I, don't, I don't know if that's really a recruiting advantage at all, but it, it just adds well, to your footprint a little bit. Do you even go off the board and try and get, uh, I mean, a school that you mentioned earlier in, in a town you lived in. What about a Houston? I mean, I just don't think, I mean, to me, they're the equivalent of a Boise State in terms of, you know, probably less success, nationally speaking, in, in bowl games and stuff in the last 15 years. Yeah. Kind of like a mid-sized stadium. They, they probably do. I think, I think they actually do get really good TV ratings because a lot of – they have a huge alumni base. Houston's a huge city, and I think they do have a lot of local support. It, you it, probably it, would get more eyeballs than, than Boise State would. Here's one. Might sound crazy, might not. School that probably jump at the what doesn't make any geographical sense. Central Florida. <laughs> I mean, can you really, imagine? I, I mean, can you imagine having to go from Pullman to Central Florida? Oh I mean, yeah. But but think about it. the alumni base that that school has is insane. They're one of the top ten biggest. In just because they're a huge school. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's a program that has. Yeah. Even even the even the schools I name, which I feel like are major schools, they still feel somewhat dilutive. You yeah. Know? yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Um, well, should we start talking about the football season? Yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll uh, talk about the football season. We've been spending our time talking about other conferences, but let's talk about the conference that we're here to talk about. I mean, we spent the first 20, 25 minutes talking about other conferences. The conference the champions the conference. that rarely that rarely produces hey, national champions. Those Olympic sports, nobody Re- comes hey, close. That's right. We got pole vaulters galore. Water polo. Let's go. Well, we talked about the playoff. 
how many teams in this conference do you think realistically can even think about the playoff? So I think, you know, probably realistic, realistically, right. Um, I think maybe half the conference could think about having a magical year and making a run. Um, I, I think there's, I. I think there's, I think there's five teams this year. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll um, spend some time later kind of going team by team. I think, you know, Oregon's been, you know, the champion in the last two years. Uh, I think they have a lot of elite talent. They just need to figure out, you know, I, I, the question is, do they have, are they going to have an elite quarterback that can lead them? Um, UW had a really nice year last year. In the, the Oregon on- thing. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on the Oregon winning the conference last year. That's all I'll say. That's all my bias showing up. <laughs> I, I'm just did did they win the did they win the conference? Did they represent the uh, conference in the Fiesta Bowl? And that, did they, they get did. embarrassed by Iowa State? Okay, sorry. You're, you're, go on. You're talking about Washington. I'll I will I'll, <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> I, I think the Huskies are the other team in the North that, um, you know, I don't. I think it would be pretty shocking for them to go undefeated but at the same time it's not impossible for them to go into the big house beat michigan bring some respect back to the conference and then you know if they if they go 11 and 1 you know and and then win the conference championship game could they make the playoff absolutely um you know and again we'll go we'll go kind of into the details of these teams and and why they might or might not be able to do that but i think uw is there and then and i i think the south is honestly a, a stronger division this year I think SC has the talent. They do not have the coaching. So, um, you know, I, I, it'd be, a, in my mind, an absurd outcome if Clay Helton were to be coaching in the playoff come January. But, you know, it's they, they certainly have the talent to win 10-plus games. And so – and they actually have a pretty favorable schedule this year. And then I think Utah and Arizona State. Um, now, I don't really believe in those two teams – if I had to choose between those two, Utah, um, because they have Charlie Brewer, a transfer quarterback that, you know, might actually be the best quarterback they've had in the last 10 years um, leading them. ASU, I think a lot of people are jumping on that bandwagon this year. I, I'm not really buying it, but how, I mentioned those five teams. How many of those made you just either smirk or throw up in your mouth? No, I mean, the Oregon one, obviously, no. Um, but uh... – no, I agree. Those are the five teams, though. I would knock off Arizona State. I think all their stuff's going to be a distraction. With uh, yeah. we'll touch we'll touch on that a little later, but that seems to be a program that's going to be. Very so there's maybe four, maybe five teams, yeah. and I would say all of them are long shots. Like yes, you know, let's let's call say each of them would have maybe yeah. a, a three to five percent chance of having a 11, 12 win season and and making the playoff. Well, and and and. and and just quickly, Winningham's been a very good coach, but they, Utah never seems to be able to put it together at the same time. Uh, Clay Helton kind of is who he is. He's going to have the most talent, but, you know, he, he he's very good at stubbing his foot along the way. Uh, Cristobal, like you said, has won back-to-back Pac-12 titles, but uh, is he going to do it without, you know, I mean, he won the first one. He won the Rose Bowl with, you know, Herbert. And then Lake is an unknown. I mean, there's four games there, you know, and they lost their defensive coordinator. 
on, right. a, on a system that's been, yeah, it's, yeah. We have, we have not produced a national title contender in a long time. We, what, you know, snuck, not shouldn't say snuck, but last time a, a Pac-12 team got in the playoff was what, 2017, 2016? Yeah. And got pretty well dominated. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an uphill battle, which um, we can talk about more. Yeah. Um, so speaking of coaches, we named a few. Who do you have as the most secure coaches and who do you have? Give me your three most secure and who's got the three hottest seats. Let's go with the hottest seats. Let's be I'll, negative first. I'll, I'll name, I'll name one of each. Okay. And then you tell me who I'm missing and then I'll tell you okay. if I've got any other ones listed down here. Yeah. I think, I think the, the most secure person is probably crystal ball. Yeah. Just having won a couple of championships and he's recruiting really well. Um, <clears throat> I think the hottest seat might be Clay Helton. I don't think that's a surprise, but um, <clears throat> he's, if I feel like it's like the fourth consecutive year where people are like, well, if he doesn't win X number of games, he's definitely fired. Right. And asking ourselves that uh, kind of hoping, but um, I would say that, that those are the, the coldest and hottest seats, if you will. Do you agree? And who else would you like put right after that? So I have, I, I agree on Super Mario. Helton, probably the hottest seat. You're right, though. Rolovich is doing a great job. <laughs> and, and like that might be, he might not even. For, not really for football related reasons no, per se. But I mean, the. <laughs> Him not getting vaccinated and not showing up. I mean, he has just made Wazoo look like a clown show. Uh, I almost took a shot there. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's – I mean, the infighting, it is amazing uh, reading Washington State sites. I mean, they're – I mean, it is It is a – I mean, it, 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 they're split. They are split. You know? Let me ask you this, Tim. Is this yeah. a free country or is this not a free country? Hey, you know, it's a free country, but, woof, that, that is an – angry fan base. I mean, they're, they're, they're the people that are already, they're already behind the eight ball a little bit being in uh, Pullman and yikes. Um, obviously another one, Herm Edwards, just based on whatever scale, yeah. is, you know? Yeah. I, th I think he's got, it's like, it sounds like a pretty bad recruiting scandal. They've put, they put like three of their members of their coaching staff on indefinite leave, essentially like they haven't fired them, but they've, yeah they're not allowed to coach and they've been essentially replaced by GAs or something like that. Uh, um, a, a secure coach for you though, Justin Wilcox, you know, I, really? You I, think so? I think a little bit. I mean, he's, I, what are expectations at Cal? I mean, here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Not with this question, just there's a lot of newer coaches in this conference, right? I mean, who is, I mean, Obviously, Shaw is Shaw is the elder statesman uh, of the group. But, I mean, is Helton the second longest? Well, Whittingham. Sorry, Whittingham. Whittingham's the longest tenured. Shaw. I mean, with Justin Wilcox, he's 21 and 21. Yeah. One and three last year. Yeah. I, I, to me, for him, if they just have never had a decent quarterback. And, yeah. No, and if really you – Right, like you can blame that on someone the first year, maybe the second year, but after that, that's that's on you. You haven't well, recruited, and you haven't developed. So, Jonathan Jonathan Smith maybe at Oregon State. I mean, they won the 
game formerly known as the Civil War last year. <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably pretty secure, but I mean, they 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 need to continue to show improvement. I mean, um, I, I, yeah, I think I think I think Cristobal, Whittingham, and Shaw are the super safe ones. Ah, I, think I, I disagree. You don't think Shaw is safe? I don't know if Shaw is as safe as we think. Hmm. I'm not. I don't like, know. If, I don't know if they'll fire him per se, but I'm curious if he finally takes those NFL overtures hmm. because they've kind of been downward trending, and <clears> people aren't too big of fans of the what the programs. Got. We also haven't mentioned Chip Kelly. I think, I think if you know they have a another f- sub five hundred season, they, they might have to pull so, the plug on this experiment. I think the issue though is I don't know how much money the athletic department has. You know, they're they're struggling. I mean, mm-hmm. with with uh, some some things. Obviously, they lost their apparel deal with Under Armour. Got out. There was. Jordan brand now, but I mean, not, not nearly the cash that they were getting. Um, mm. That's another factor. Jed fish, baby. No, but uh, he's new. doesn't really count. Um, so one of the other things as we like look forward to this season, yeah. we talked about, so we've talked about kind of who the, we think the premier teams are going to be um, the coaching situations. Um, and then the other, the other thing that's kind of interesting, if you just look at the calendar, is that there's there's some teams that are not in our conference that almost might as well be. Um, there, there's kind of three teams that could just completely wreck any chance at, at our conference getting in the playoff just by, you know, giving us a bunch of non-conference losses. BYU plays uh-huh. five Pac-12 teams this year. They play Arizona, Arizona State, USC, Utah. So they play four of the teams in the South. They might as well join the Pac-12 South. <laughs> Talked about maybe adding them. They might as yeah, well. Yeah, they're already there. Um, and then and they also play WSU. Um, you know, you've also got the annual games, uh, the annual non-conference games with Notre Dame uh, playing yeah. USC and Stanford. And then um, Fresno State pops up on Oregon and UCLA's. So that's, you know, if BYU, they're – I think some people think they're a top 20 team. I don't really see how they could be that with, you know, losing their yeah. you know, top draft pick quarterback. But if they're, if they are a tough team in hand, three or four of those teams losses, you know, they could single-handedly dismantle any playoff, you know, case, even, even teams they don't play because they're going to ruin the conference's strength of schedule. So yeah, those, those will be some big, non-conference games and teams to watch and and i kind of going the other way with the non-conference question i mean we're talking you know schools that could do that but then you look at um washington playing michigan oregon playing uh ohio state um there's some really big opportunities ucla is playing lsu yep yep colorado plays texas a&m yeah, Colorado Cal also play, plays plays Minnesota. You know, Cal plays TCU. Yeah. Um, Stanford plays Vandy. I don't know if you already said that one. Not that no. Vandy anyone respects no, no, Vandy, no, but, but it's an SEC team. You know, like when you when you stack yeah. up the conference, you know, yeah. comparisons, you gotta include them all. Yeah, I think mighty mighty the mighty Beeves play Purdue. Uh, maybe you already said that one. No, no, I didn't. No, I was, I was thinking, but yeah, I mean that's. I mean, really, if the conference is going to make the playoff, they have to play well against Notre Dame. I mean, they got one of those schools that plays Notre Dame's got to beat them. 
And yeah, uh, I mean, Oregon, you got to win more than your share of, yeah. of these big non-conference games in the first three weeks of the season. Exactly. And you got, and you got to knock off an LSU, a Michigan or an Ohio state. I mean, it just absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> looking at the schedules, who, who had a schedule that you uh, were impressed with how tough it is and who was one that you were like, this is embarrassing. So, so I think it, I think Stanford might have one of the toughest non-conference schedules. Like they're the, I believe I read today that they're the only team that doesn't play, doesn't play a non-power conference team. So like all 12 games yeah. are against power conference teams. So their, their non-conference schedule is K-State, Vanderbilt, and Notre Dame. Now those are, I would say, three teams that are each in a different tier. I think Notre Dame is, you know, a top 15 team and will be a tough, win, tough, tough game to win. K-State is kind of perennially middle of the pack, scrappy but not elite, and, yeah. and Vandy's terrible. So, I mean, they could win two of those three. Um, and, um, but that's still a pretty impressive non-conference, you know, to not have any cupcakes in your whole, your whole calendar and then play nine conference games as well. So, um, on the flip side, uh, uh, Oregon state plays Purdue, which, you know, Hey, that's a big 10 team, but they're probably, you know, the bottom third of, of the big 10. And then they play Hawaii and Idaho. So Oregon State has a pretty pretty doable um, schedule. The Cougs have Utah State, Portland State. Um, Arizona State has Southern Utah and UNLV in addition to BYU. Both yeah. those yeah, teams play BYU, though. So um, I, I think, honestly, like people might look at USC schedule and kind of think it, you know, see San Jose State and just think that that's a gimme. But San Jose State is actually a pretty solid team. Yeah, like they're they're you know, Athlon has them at fifty two, so they're ahead of half of the Pac twelve in Athlon's estimation. <laughs> well, and and their coach, so, uh, their coach almost got the Arizona job this offseason. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a, a, a really respectable, you know, uh, non power conference. A game and then they play BYU and Notre Dame who are both you know by some pundits considered top 15 teams so yeah it's uh there's there's some there's some challenges out there in addition you know so it's we Pac-12 doesn't do itself any favors by having nine conference games but then several teams also have pretty challenging non-conference schedules as well yeah, well, and then you meant you, you know, I think UW and Oregon both have a couple cupcakes, but then they have this really tough um, road out of conference game against Ohio State and um, Michigan. So, yeah, 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 that'll be well, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, typically, uh, or in the recent memory, these non-conference schedules have not worked out that well for the Pac-12's favor, but it's the only way to start changing the perception and narrative yep. is to actually win some of these games. Yep. Yep. That's true. Well, we will come back and uh, kind of an overview of the conference, but let's, let's take a look at the North. 
and the South. All right, let us go. In Let's go team by team. Team by team. And we'll do it in reverse order. So we're, we're going to start with our esteem. We're going to use our esteemed uh, partners, not partners. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would be nice if they were our partners. Maybe someday. Our, our, we'll uh, use the esteemed journalists at Athlon to kind of drive our order here. So we're going to kind of go worst to first based on the, where Athlon um, says these teams are yeah, as, you know, perceives them to be as of the beginning of the season uh, and what their, their forecast is. And we'll, we'll kind of say whether we think Athlon has them over or underrated and why, and we'll kind of dive into a few other things. So we're going to, we're going to say, are they over or underrated? And we're going to just kind of talk about kind of, you know, recent news and anything that's going on with the team and um, kind of key players on the roster um, where, where, the, where the weaknesses are on the roster. Um, and then as our wild card. Do you have a best and worst name for each team? Uh, yes, I have. Well, I have a. I just have a name for each team. I, okay. I, I looked. So at, an intriguing we, we, name. We looked. We looked through the rosters to find some of the more um, interesting names that have been I, assigned. I, I felt bad giving someone like young someone, young men at birth. Yeah, yeah, you know, like making fun of someone's name, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, so. I'm. I'm thinking more like the 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 key and peel like. You know, yeah, yeah. college football intro sketches yes. and just absurd, absurd well, in a good way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> True. So, what school are we going with first? So, at ninety-one, uh, considered the ninety-first best football program in the country, the Arizona Wildcats. And since and since they're in the South, that means it's you're my time to shine. Uh, I will say I feel they are properly rated uh, because. They're coming off a 12-game losing streak. I mean, not coming off. They still it's still going. Does that mean they're Does that mean they're overrated? Oh, well, that's true. That's true. 90, 91 that, out of one third. They're in. They're they're their neighbors are immediately before them are San Diego State and Vanderbilt, and immediately behind them are Western Michigan and Duke. So that feels. I'm I'm with you. I think that feels about right. Uh, yeah. That um, might feel mildly generous, being yeah. 0 and 12. But, yeah. Uh, and their quarterback deciding to just never come back. Yeah, that's – Was yeah, it Grant, I, Grant, Grant Gunnell? Grant Gunnell, Gunnell, yeah. Gunnell, yeah. Just, just like, yeah, thanks, I'm good. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah, it's – you know, it's funny. The, the, the big thing I, I notice is uh, – oh, sorry, what? I was just going to say I've absorbed enough concussions in one season. <laughs> to yeah, last right? Lifetime. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is how hard uh, your buddy Jed Fish, the old carpetbagger, uh, is <laughs> – just he's trying to change the culture and uh i I read something the other day i mean he wants what's he's gonna buy 500 chick-fil-a sandwiches for uh students that stay the whole game and and he wants these like traditions of like there's some kenny chesney song that they that shouts out tucson arizona and he wants them to sing that at some point during the game so he's like Mm -hmm. trying to trying to Trying to build stuff. a culture, build, build a, a culture, yeah. And you know he's get he's starting to get recruits there too, and it'll be interesting. You know, he's. It, it I know this is well. your team to cover, but that was the one thing I jotted down. They actually like beat out USC for a recruit a few weeks ago. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty impressive given how objectively yes. bad they are, and almost certainly will be. 
yeah. I, I was reading his commentary, and he was talking about how they. I mean, I guess you gotta you gotta talk big. That he wants them to be the toughest team every other. You know, every when they play a team, they want to they want to give give their opponent the toughest game they've they've had all year. And I think he's talking about from a physicality standpoint, which is obviously something they have lacked for a long time. Yeah. Like, I mean, you watch Arizona play defense. It looks like, it looks like their linebackers look like defensive backs and their defensive backs look like, I don't know, high schoolers. Well, well, <laughs> they, just, had, they just look really small. It's, it's interesting, right? Cause they had stoops and he was supposedly a defensive guy, but they weren't particularly great <laughs> defensively. And then you go with Rich Rod who, I mean, not known for defense. And then Kevin Sumlin comes in, also not known for defense. <laughs> um, really interesting. Yeah. I uh, think their their best player is uh, defensive end Jalen Harris. He's got some – he's been deemed a, uh, having some uh, top pro potential. But it also kind of plays into the team's weakness. They only had two sacks on defense last year. Yikes! Like, like, and and they they played five whole games. Five games, so. yeah. But but still, <laughs> I mean, two sacks in one game, you're kind of looking around, being like, Ugh, that's not good. But I mean, yeah, two two sacks total on the season. <laughs> Ugh. Like, so. and and we will have to. We probably will have to like maybe just put a blanket caveat. Like any statistics we cite, we acknowledge that last season was a weird season and most teams played four or five, six games. So like it's a limited sample size, but they're averaging 0.4 sack a game. Yes. I won't even plural it. Uh, it's suboptimal. Suboptimal. Um, so then I, I went with the name, uh, my favorite name on this roster, Leif Magnuson. He's Is it Leif or Leif? Leif. Uh, oh yeah. It's probably Leif. <laughs> <laughs> but an offensive lineman. I just love that name. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That's Arizona. We're moving on to number 73 in the Athlon rankings, the mighty Oregon State Beavers. Um, I think they're a little underrated at 73. So they're, they're neighbors in the rankings. They're, they're sitting behind Fresno State and UT San Antonio. I think that's a little harsh. Yeah. They've got um, – their starting line has a combined 82 starts. Um, their quarterback last year, Gebbia, I think he had an injury, so they weren't sure if he was going to be, I think it's like maybe a slightly open position battle, but I think presumably he's going to be he the starter. And, in, in the waning moments of the rivalry game. But, I mean, they beat Oregon with him. Um I mean, I think they still need to get better on defense. I think their D-line is not very strong. We mentioned that they have a pretty pretty doable non-conference schedule. So I think, you know, they have a – this is, to me, a team that ha- has a decent chance of going in six and six. Like, they've they've given some teams a tough time over the past couple of years. And I, I do think, you know, Jonathan Smith still doesn't have all the personnel he needs. But I think, I think they're well coached. Like, I don't think they're athletic. Like, they're not – no, they don't. They don't. You know, when they line up against Oregon, they don't have the same athletes. But then they, you know, they beat them last year. So, um, you know, the other thing is, you know, they they did that with a pound on the rock with Jamar Jefferson, who was a a pretty special running back yeah. in my estimation, like a very tough between the tackles runner. I'm not sure that they have someone to fill that role this year. Um, but with a you know 
big experienced offensive line, you can make a, a middling running back look pretty good. So we'll see. Um, kind of news and notes from what's going on like in the off season or um, in camp. I think I mentioned the run, you know, finding a replacement for Jefferson. I don't think they have a single guy. I think they've got a, a few guys, um, BJ Baylor, Deshaun Fenwick, who's a transfer from South Carolina. Um, and a couple other dudes that are all kind of like Jocelyn there. Um, but yeah, I, I do think the quarterback situation settled. They have offensive line. And I think to me, that's actually, as I was going through these teams, like to me, those are the, you know, there's lots of, you obviously want re- returning starters everywhere, but to me, the number one thing obviously is having an experienced quarterback is what makes you a good experienced quarterback makes yeah. you feel pretty secure. And then after that, an experienced, experience offensive line I think you could go down the list as to other things like a I think a, a pass rush or a really good secondary like what what you think is most important but to me those are the two most important things to to have a chance at success in college football is to be able to um, have a skilled quarterback and to be able to protect him um, so I mean in terms of I'm you know I'm <clears throat> in terms of like their best player um Avery Roberts is their inside linebacker he led the entire conference in tackles last year I think he had at least one game where he had like 18 19 20 tackles um so just very active um and then the best my my favorite name on this roster is Atticus Sappington wow he sounds fancy yeah he sounds uh like a yeah just like a a little hint of uh, to kill a mockingbird and yeah yeah. Um, so we're moving. Uh, we're moving up. This I guess we're not. We're not moving down. We're not moving down yeah. the list yet. Moving yeah. on the tenth in the conference and sixty-eighth in your hearts. The Washington State Cougars um, are sitting at sixty-eight in the Athlon preseason rankings. Um, and I think they're. I think they're also maybe slightly underrated. They feel like a, about probably where they should be. They've got. UAB and Tulane sitting in front of them in the rankings, which doesn't feel, I don't know, that feels a little, yeah, I shouldn't be so skeptical of every small conference school, but you mean the same I, UAB I who canceled has, their program five years ago? Has Tulane done any, I, uh, apparently they're, they're respectable. I don't know. Um, you know, they were one and three last year, but those three losses were to Utah, uh, USC and Oregon. So, I mean, they lost to the two teams that played in the conference championship, um, as well as Utah, which I think had a rough start to the season, but got kind of got things going over the latter half. Um, <clears throat> I think they also lost three games to the coronavirus. So, you know, those are tough L's as well. <laughs> Cancellations. No, yeah, no, not um, yeah. Uh, Again. So, lost the Apple Cup because, of, well, they didn't play the Apple Cup, but they were going to, yeah. Right. Uh you know, Jaden, Jaden, uh, sorry, not Jaden. Yeah, Jaden Deloria. Yeah. Um, was their starting quarterback for most of the season last year. Um, he's back. Uh, he did a little DUI tour in the offseason, yeah. but he is on the roster and available to play. And they've got four offensive linemen returning. Um, they were 111th in total defense last year uh, on 27% of plays from scrimmage that gave up a play of 10 plus yards. So they, they give up a lot of big plays on defense and they, um, they really need to shore that up. 
Um, so, and you know, this will be only the second year of the Nick Rolovich era, right? And they're doing a run and shoot offense. So basically, far. whoever that quarterback is is going to need to produce a bunch of points because I don't, I don't think the defense is going to be no. night and day. You know, they had what was it Alex Grinch? I think I thought he was a phenomenal defensive yeah. coordinator and he just got got poached for more money by yeah. what ohio state or somebody uh you know oh he went to oklahoma he went to ohio state yeah. and then oklahoma or vice versa i forget he yeah he went and got paid probably six times what they were paying him or something and can't can't blame him for that yeah. but the defense definitely hasn't looked the same um since he left um i think you know people thought in my mind, the incumbent is, you know, kind of the presumed starter, but I think it's a pretty open competition. And I guess they have a grad transfer from Tennessee named yeah. Jarrett Guarantano. It's actually in the, in the latest scrimmage, he got like, he got about 25 snaps and the other guys got only like 15. So you maybe don't read too much into that, but it's, it may not actually be Deloria leading this offense. Um, as it is. And then you mentioned it. Um, Nick Rollo. I think, I think the word is dissembling. Oh. He is not being fully forthcoming as to his actual plans, whether he's going to um, conform to the, you know, mandate for Washington state employees to get a shot. I think he's saying that he will obey the law, but he won't really say what that means. And people, people are up in arms about that. You think he, I mean, I, I believe he actually is paid more than Lake because I read somewhere that he actually is the highest paid state highest employee. Paid and that's, employee, yeah. Yeah. that's one of the reasons people are so upset is that the highest paid state employees, you know, yeah. not, not taking the shot. Now we won't, we won't delve too far into the world of politics, but yeah. I, I, to me, I mean, he's a grown man and I don't understand why he wouldn't be able to make his own decision, but, um, and, 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 deal with the consequences thereof right yeah so yeah <clears throat> um you know in terms of in terms of uh yeah best player i think i think most exciting player is probably max borg he's pretty fun to watch yeah, yeah. he's sort of a poor man's christian mccaffrey i, I think in my mind he, he's shifty and tough and um you know can surprisingly produce between the tackles, but also is really fun out like catching the ball out of the backfield. You know, you don't have to compare white players to white players. You can, you know, go other ways. It, well. It's not. It's their game. It's very similar. It's very similar. He's just a little bit smaller and not quite so fast. And um, best name on this roster. So I think it's so. I think it's pronounced Puma because it's P U M M A. But there's yeah. it's they're the Cougars. And I'm going to pretend that his name is oh, Ty Puma. Ty Puma, I like that. I like That's that. pretty good. Uh, good fresh freshman offensive lineman from Bothell. Bothell. All right. Yes. So the sound of my voice um, is going to get pretty annoying, but I'm still talking because we're still talking about teams in the north. Wow. <clears throat> With Stanford at 66, which puts them at ninth in Athlon's estimation yeah, in the nice. conference. I think that they're slightly overrated at 66. Um, They won their last four games last year, um, but they're replacing their quarterback. I've never heard of the guys that they have competing for, for the starting job. Well, didn't the Um, guy, didn't the guy 
fighting for the starting job. I believe he started the first game because didn't this, uh, this guy named Jack West um, started against Oregon. They got yeah. clobbered 35-14. Yeah. I think Tanner McKee is the other guy. He came in that same game but didn't do much either. Um, you know, they lost um, – their most couple most I think their two most talented offensive linemen went to the league last year, graduated out. Yeah. Um, their rushing defense, I mean, they they used to have a really solid defense, and it's just kind of slowly fallen by the wayside. Their rushing defense was 112 nationally last year. They gave up 220 yards per game on the ground, and I think they lost a key piece from every level of that defense, like a defensive lineman, a linebacker, and uh, a safety. Um, so. Um, and then as we talked about before, like they've got a tough schedule. I think I'd be surprised. I'd be mildly surprised if Stanford makes a bowl game this year. So uh, for me, 66 I've, feels I've high. seen four wins expected to the team. So. Yeah. Um, you know, not, not a ton of preseason news. I think they're yeah. pretty quiet and have closed practices and stuff. So there's, you know, other than the quarterback battle, there's not a lot to say. Um, I think probably their most, you know, exciting player on offense is their running back, Austin Jones. He, um, he got 90 yards per game rushing last year. Um, they have a defensive end named Austin Booker who listen to this, his, <laughs> he has produced it in many different ways. Last year, he had three tackles for loss, a sack, two pass breakups, a fumble recovery and two block PATs. So wow. Just a playmaker in every, in every even in, in, on special teams. Um, I think there's two great ne- two great names on this roster, Tim. Yeah. There's Thunder Keck. Wow. And Coco Lucrich. That's C O C O Coco. Wow. I like it. Those are good names. Uh, and I think that brings us to the eighth ranked wow. team. Do I, get, do I get to talk? 62nd in the Athlon rankings, the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, it's my turn. The formerly Golden Buffaloes, are they still? Uh, I think they're properly rated. Um, You know, last year, I mean, the big question is, was last season a mirage? I mean, they get Durrell. I think it was. (laughs) Yeah, they went for it. Or was that rhetorical? Yeah, 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 it was rhetorical, (laughs) but, you know. No, you, you, yeah, no, you're not wrong. They went four and two and went to the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Carl Durrell, you know, it's funny though. I looked at Durrell's um, career record. He wasn't great at UCLA, but he was average. He was always, it was like littered with six and six seasons. It is kind of wild that it took him this long to get another head job. Now, granted, I don't know if there were ever offers to lower tier programs that he just rejected, but. No, maybe you know. he wanted to be more involved in his daughter's volleyball career. He was bouncing around the <laughs> NFL. Um, uh, he, um, but he had a good year. I mean, he seems to be an average coach. I, I mean, he was coach of the year last year. Yeah. I mean, I mean he was good last people, year. People were shocked. Mel Tucker and I think Mel Tucker if, Colorado, if Colorado hadn't had, like, if, I think if they, I think if, that like some games hadn't been canceled because of COVID, they would have had a shot to win the South. Yeah, I think their game against USC got canceled. Yeah, and, it was. So yeah. They, they didn't ever have a chance to kind of have that tiebreaker game. No, they, they didn't. I remember that because there was talk about, you know, would they get put in there? Um, 
put in the game. But they do have the reigning Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year on their team. Jarek. Jarek. 149.2 yards a game last year. So almost 150 yards. But I believe he's torn. He's had multiple ACL tears. So yes. kind of a guy, guy that's stuck with it and then had a breakout season last year. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he uh, – but – is Have you watched him play? What kind of a back is he? Is he like – is he a pound like pound on a rock guy? Is he shifty? Is he something in between? He's a little bit, a little bit in between from what, hmm. from what I watched of him, you know. Um, but the big question for them is going to be quarterback play, right? I mean, it seems like every team – every team – when you get down this this level, as you hit the nail on the head, if you have a good experience, a good experienced quarterback, you're probably going to be in the upper tier, you know, upper half, uh, not upper tier, but yeah, quarterback play, and then also, you know, they gave up. They were four and two, but they gave up thir- over thirty points a game while only scoring about 25, 20, 25, 26 points a game. So and they gave up a lot of big plays. So. Can they and they change their, def- change their yeah, defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, defensive coordinator, too, yeah. Um, my favorite name, there's an outside linebacker from Santa Ana, California, Steele Dubar. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's firm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're moving on up. That puts us to number seven, right? Yes. And number 54 in the Athlon rankings, the California Golden Bears. Oh, wow. You get to talk um, again. It's never going to end, man. Um, I think this is slightly underrated. Um, you know, they've got their their teams ahead of them. Wake Forest is sitting at forty six. Arkansas sitting at forty four. Um, I think I'd like Cal by a touchdown on a neutral field against either of those teams. Um, Absolutely, Wake Forest. Man, we talked a little. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I think I, I really like the way Justin Wilcox's teams play defense. I think he gets the most out of his guys. Now, when he was a coordinator at UW and and at SC, I'm not sure that was always the case, but since he's been at Cal, I think his defenses have been stellar. I think they've been like a top three defense the last four years in the conference. Um, And he just kind of always seems to get the best out of his guys and, and make it tough for other teams. I think they've just have had almost laughably bad quarterback play and it's really hard to win when you can't complete a forward pass that's longer than seven or eight yards. Um, and, and I don't, and, and Garbers isn't, that perfectly describes him. I think the only thing is that he actually is a pretty good runner Yes. and um, love it or hate it. That, that is a pretty big factor in college football. Like having a dual threat quarterback is a pretty big leveler um, because I, I think whereas in the NFL, you know, teams can scheme around that and there's enough athletes to shut it down. I think it, yeah. it, he hasn't always stayed healthy. So when he's been healthy and he's effective on the run, he's decent and they've won some pretty big games with him behind yeah. center. He's actually the most experienced quarterback in the conference in terms of starts. Um, so I, I like I like their chances this year. Honestly, I think they've they've got a ton of the of pieces on defense still. Um, 
they they have had a couple like tough breaks. Their their best offensive lineman had a like year ending hip injury back in the spring. Uh, their starting center, who was like a all conference honorable mention last year, he announced medical retirement at the start of fall camp. So they have lost a couple of guys up front uh, on either side of the ball. They have a pretty tough break. Their their quarterback used to be named Christopher Brown. He's now, I don't know the backstory, he's now calling himself Christopher Brooks. Um, He had uh, a 900-plus yard season back in 2019. So I expect him to um, bounce back um, this year, with a full season this year. Um, Cameron Good, offensive linebacker, or sorry, offensive linebacker, outside linebacker, um, past two seasons, and one of them being obviously a very abbreviated season. Kel only played. Uh, like four games last year, he has 22 tackles for loss and 12 and a half sacks in over those, um, you know, over that season and a half. Other other big uh, update this fall: their Cal's football field is now named after a crypto exchange called oh. FTX. <laughs> um, and yeah, as mentioned, like you know. Quarterback play is going to be the weakness until proven otherwise. Um, they, they did have a little bit of turnover on the staff. Um, by far the best name on this roster is offensive lineman Putasi Putasi. Oh, that's very good. That's from very Las good. Vegas. That's very good. And now I'm going to pass the baton to you oh. to talk about UCLA at ah, 37. The Kings of Los Angeles, the Bruins. Um, I feel – Hear me out here. They might be a little underrated. Ooh, interesting. This is the make or break year for my uncle Chip. (laughs) And it is, uh, I mean, that really is my question. Does Chip work? I mean, does he physically go to work? But (laughs) is it it also going to work? I mean, three wins, four wins, and three wins. Granted, he was three and four this year and this past season. And remember, his four losses – all by six points or less. So. Moral victories, you might say. Well, <laughs> not getting the doors blown off. Um, I, think the, I think you could flip that around and say that their quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, has a propensity for – I'm not saying he's not clutch. He actually has made big plays down, down the – I just – when he, he if he gets himself into a shootout, there's definitely going to be – two drives that stall out in the fourth quarter and then they lose. Like he's, he's like a, he's, he's a very frustratingly close to great player that and just can't put the pieces together consistently for four quarters for, for game after game after game. And that's why I have him as the best player and the biggest weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, uh, I think that's accurate. This. I think he, he was improving, but you're right. I mean, chips offense needs to have, I mean, Masoli was not the greatest of quarterbacks, but he could run that offense, couldn't he, when he was at Oregon, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, then he left uh, Sling Blade uh, Mariota, and they went to heights that they uh, could only hope to achieve in the future. Um, yeah, and I mean, like I said, I think Robinson's the – Thompson Robinson is the best player uh, of a good uh, – yeah, I think that's it. The, the best name to me. Former UW player, 
I know this is a family show. Colson Yankoff. So we'll move on to the next team. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, we're starting to get into at least teams that I consider to be yeah. at, like low percentage, but yeah. theoretically playoff contenders. We're starting to get into potential conference champion oh, yeah. contenders. Um, at least according to Athlon, but I think also in, in our estimation. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. Um, so 26, uh, fifth in the conference, Utah. Utah. I would love to talk about them. I think they are a little underrated. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, but I, these are my Southern champions. I, I was thinking about this right before we, you know, dialed up and started talking. I, I think I agree with you, Tim. I, what? I think I agree with you. I, wow. I, I don't know. I can't pretend to say that I've watched Charlie Brewer. Yes. But when you tell me that Kyle Whittingham has a quarterback who has thrown for 9,700 yards in his college career. I would say that sounds better than anything he's had in the last 10 years at, yes. at quarterback. Yes. And, and they've been quite good, not great, you know, without a, a decent quarterback. So um, yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, they, uh, they, um, he always has, Good defenses. I mean, that's just kind of always been one of, or solid defenses. I don't want to say they're the great greatest defense, but they're uh, physical. They're scrappy. Yeah. They. I mean, they've got. A, they always have a good defensive line. You know, he, he, they have. They always have multiple Polynesian defensive linemen that are just. Yes. Great players. Um, I, I'm looking at their their defensive line. Uh, right now, the last, the four last names are Tafua, Moala, Pututau, and Tupai. So, yeah. yes. I can't even try those names. I don't know if that was mildly racist of me to assume, but those sound like Polynesian names to me. And then they also got a transfer from Oklahoma. Oklahoma's leading rusher last year, TJ Pledger, to come in and run the ball. So, a guy who had, um, 451 yards and five touchdowns this past year for Oklahoma and he's eligible. So they have two pieces that are going to be huge for them. Like we said, the biggest thing is going to be the quarterback play. And if Brewer is as good as advertised and does and stays healthy, I think they're taking the South. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So underrated, underrated. And my uh, favorite player, again, family show, but Connor O'Toole, a wide receiver. <laughs> Is it O apostrophe T? O O L E. Yep. Okay. So yep. it's O'Toole. Connor like O'Toole. Connor O'Toole. All yeah. right. Great. Okay. Uh, jumping back into the north. Yeah. Um, fourth in the conference, 22nd nationally. The University of Washington Huskies, Tim. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say slightly underrated. Um, I don't. I don't. Not wildly. I'm talking maybe one or two spots here. Um, they've got some big questions, but they've got. Uh, I think their entire offensive line. They've got their quarterback, who's good. Showed some good things last year. Um, I think. You know. Doesn't have he, he's he's real you know Dil, uh, 
he's he's relatively small yeah um he's, slight. he's got pretty yeah he's he's short yeah and he's got but he's got a pretty good arm um and you know i they, for for someone with the last name Heward, you know five-star quarterback coming in as a freshman yeah. behind him i it sounds as if he's kept his job dylan, dylan morris, morris yep. um and i i fully expected that i think i think we saw enough from him and you know um but, you know when you asked uh jimmy lake what his offense was going to be going you know with his new coordinator last year his answer was run the damn ball and that's yep. that's still what they plan to do and he wore a hat with that statement and believe no one wants no one wants to be known as a game managing quarterback but you know i think uh, one of the things that UW was actually really special about special at last year was limiting turnovers. Um, They were second in the nation and giving up tackles for loss. So essentially, you know, they did not get stuffed in the backfield or or sacked very frequently. Um, And they were also really good at limiting turnovers. And so, you know, Jimmy Lake is going to have, he's going to cobble together a a good to great secondary. He's going to, uh, coach up the front seven and they're not going to be, I mean, last year they weren't dominant, but they were, you know, occasionally disruptive and could get some, get the other team off the field. Um, played at an All-American level out of nowhere. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, not going to be able to be a big factor for them. No, um, unless late in the season. Yeah. Maybe, maybe back at the end of November or something, but that even that seems like a stretch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Liter- literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, so I think they have, I think the, the, the worries are wider, again, wide receiver. Absolutely. I think their wide receiver core was, um, less than middling last year. Um, and probably the most frustrating member of that core is no longer on the team, but he was also probably their most talented player, Puka, Puka Nakua, um, who's now at BYU, um, but I just, you know, there's a guy named Taj Davis who apparently has been making some plays in, in scrimmages. But, you know, until you put it out on the field against a, a good team, you know, you have to do it in the big house in a few weeks here. So they've added, they've added a few transfers, uh, Polk from um, Texas Tech. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so. There's so, I mean, yeah, but- there's no doubt they're going to have the set, you know, if not the best, one of the two or three best defenses in the conference, like they have the last five years or so. Um, and then they, they need to have, you know, a better middling offense. I think, I think they have the pieces, the other, the other player that we haven't really mentioned any tight ends, Kate Otten, I think is clearly the best tight end in the conference. He's a pretty, a really good receiving threat and also a phenomenal blocker. Um, so I like the pieces. I think, I think I'd feel a lot better if if they hadn't lost Zion, in, you know, in the off yeah. season, and um, you felt like they had. I think their interior defensive line is good. I think if you felt like they had a elite pass rushing presence, that would that would feel a lot better. Well, um, and you know, last year Joe Tryon opted out, and ZTF came out of nowhere. So, you know, hopefully, lightning strikes twice. Yeah, I mean, the Huskies in terms of schedule. Um, they do get to host Oregon, and I believe they miss USC. 
they miss USC and I think they might also miss Utah. Yeah. So I think the schedule sets up for them pretty well too, in that yep. they miss, you know, two of the top, you know, two of the four other top, yeah. you know, two of the other top four teams in the conference. Um, best name on this roster, uh, freshman, Zakari Spears. When your name is the description of a highly illegal and dangerous tackle, I think that's pretty intimidating. Yeah, that is. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Okay. Uh, worst name? You're, you're going to have to try to pronounce this for me. Oh, no. Tuli Latuli Gasanoa. I don't. I can't. I know the defensive tackle. I. I. I I'm terrible with names. I tried counting it twice. I think yeah. it's seven. I think it's seven syllables. Yeah. That's just. Yeah. That's just mean to try to make someone say that. No. All right. I'm done talking about UW. I yeah. think they're slightly underrated. I think they I think they can very well contend for the North. I well, we'll talk about yeah. whether we expect them the, to win the North the, later. The the uh this is where I'll just do my little brain dump. I mean, they, they get they've gotten some decommitments recently, so people are already starting to turn on Lake a little bit. Uh, on that, they had they just lost, win, baby. Yeah, just win. They, 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 absolutely, they lost to the longtime defensive coordinator Kiewikowski. They promoted Bob Gregory, who was a former Cal defensive coordinator, and their offensive coordinator is Donahue, who was not good at Penn State. So, a lot of questions on the coaching staff. Um, so defensively, it's it's Lake's defense, though, right? It's kind of like the Seahawks. Like, well, he learned it from Ke- it was Kiewikowski's, and Lake got bumped up because you know sure. Alabama came calling at one point, and they kept Lake around. Obviously, he made the right choice because he got the head job. But yeah, I mean, I think he knows what he's doing. But there's always that fear, right? I mean, you see you see the cracks starting in year two before the dam breaks in year three. So okay, yeah, not that I'm concerned. <laughs> you sound really confident yeah all right we're moving on to our our number three team the yeah. university of southern california trojans 18 on the athlon preseason rankings uh i think i think talent wise no but i think with the coach i think it, i think they're about about right i mean like kind of like you said about u-dub i could see him a one or two spots higher you know um because it doesn't hurt my feelings. I, I think they're in the right spot. No, I, I know. I, I just am saying, uh, you know, the, the biggest the, the, the biggest story, what's always been the biggest story the last few years is Clay Helton, right? <laughs> are they going to be middling? Um, obviously, the biggest thing is running the football. Only averaged 3.2 yards per carry last year. Abysmal. Abysmal. Now, and, pa- and painful to watch. Oh yeah, it's, pain, it's painful to watch inability to convert on third and two like four or five times in a game and have drive stall out that way. It's it's or or to have to go for it on fourth. <laughs> it's it's brutal. And and it was it was a tough team to watch even last year. I mean, escaping they were the definition of escaping with victories. I mean, Clay Hilton would say they were the definition of fight on. Yeah. But, yeah, they. I, I mean, they um, last second. I, so Arizona State, they scored with like a minute left to to beat Arizona State and want to win. Arizona, they scored with less than thirty seconds left yeah. to win by six. Um, then they trounced Utah, but like they, 
I mean, they very, you know, they, they actually were five and zero in the regular season, um, but very well could have been three and two. Yeah. Um, except for, I mean, in the, the game against uh, Arizona state, I mean, the touchdown catch to win that game was like a, a fourth and nine back of the end zone threaded between defenders yeah. type catch. So very first round pick. It was a tightrope walk. Yeah. yeah I, I won't step on your commentary. You're supposed to cover the South, but the oh, thing no, was, it's quite all right. the thing was, the thing with Slovis is like some of the worst for, first quarter quarterback oh, play I've ever seen. I mean, multiple picks and just yeah. digging holes for himself every game. And then, you know, managing to dig himself out of it. Um, the one game he couldn't do that was against, you know, a, a pretty decent Oregon team in the, yeah. in the Pac-12 championship game. So they were down 14, nothing in that, if I remember correctly. Right. Right. I mean, I think, I think they kind of outplayed Oregon, you know, for good stretches of the, of the second and third quarters, but man, just, um, yeah. just too big of a hole. Yep. So, but Slovis and his assumed top target, uh, Mr. Drake London this year. Probably their two, I think, two best I think he's probably players. the best wide receiver in the conference, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, you got two – I mean, you have the all-conference quarterback in theory, all-conference wide receiver. Then um, got Figueroa and Jackson on defense. You say they're two of the top. Yeah, Drake, Drake Jackson's – you know, other, other, and we'll talk about Oregon in a little bit, other than – Oregon's superstar. I think Drake Jackson's the second, probably the second best defensive end in the conference. The dude's going to be playing in the league next year. Um, they also have the number one overall recruit from last, uh, the last recruiting cycle, Corey Foreman at, at defensive end. Who's, he'll probably be like a situational pass rusher to start, but I, I would expect him to be the kind of the co-starter on the other, you know, so a couple elite pass rushers bookending the defensive line should be fun. Um, would you like to know my favorite name? I'd love to hear it. Andrew Voorhees, an offensive lineman. What's special about that? Jason Voorhees. <laughs> I think you. I think you've missed a clear and ob- any. Uh, there's a quarterback on this roster whose name is Jackson Dart. Tim. Yeah, Dart. Nah, I like Voorhees better because maybe I think he's going to kill people. Okay, so um, they're they you think they're you think they're right about where they should be? I think okay, right so where they be. so jumping jumping ahead to yeah. the next team in the South, and, and in Athlon's estimation, the best team in the South, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Absolutely overrated. Now, wildly overrated. Wildly overrated. Now, I will say this, Herm. So there's a 15 next to their next yeah. to their name, 15th in the country. What yeah. number would you put next to them? I wouldn't give them a number. <laughs> I think they're going to be distracted. I mean, Herm surprised everyone. I was a Herm doubter, uh, even though he gave me one of my favorite speeches of all time about playing to win the game. But I mean, these COVID violations—they've got multiple coaches suspended. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, they have. I don't. We talked about like, uh, on, in other podcast conversations we've had, we talked about. I don't really buy into like the distraction storylines, but I definitely buy into, hey, multiple members of your staff are suddenly no longer available, and yeah. instead they're being coached by GAs. 
that's what I mean by distraction with that, right? Like, I mean, distractions yeah. are distractions, you know. I mean, when you when you are losing staff members or you losing players, like those are the, the that's what I mean by you know not the you know you, you could have allegations going over your head, but that's that all they are are allegations. But when you're actually losing people, then that's where I think the distraction comes. Uh, they have one of the better quarterbacks in uh, Jalen Daniels. I don't, I don't buy him, man. I mean, he's, I, he's, he's solid. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'd put him, I'd put him above Dorian Thompson Robinson, but not that much not, higher. Not very accurate. I mean, when it gets when no, going, it's just can't. I, I mean, I, he doesn't have like a cannon. I don't. He can't. He's kind of like a mid-range guy. If I was higher on him, I would uh, have them in the uh, top twenty-five. He, he he can kind of like buy time, and yeah. he can throw pretty well on the run. Very good runner, and, and that's obviously really tough. He's not like a great elite like downfield runner or something no, no, like no, that, no, no, but, but but he can kind of like stretch the play yeah, and, and then throw on the run and and keep it alive and make some throws. So. He's one of those guys that's frustrating to play against because he will kind of yeah. keep drives alive that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe like sneak a ball into the end zone on you. But yeah, um, yeah I don't, I don't, he's not, he does, as a defensive coordinator, I would not be worried about how to like possibly contain this elite quarterback. No, and, no. And that's, again, that's why I have them out of it. The, the other big problem. They have an atrocious run defense. <laughs> you know how many yards they gave up a game last year? I bet you do, Tim. I bet I'll tell you it's 183 yards a game. Yeah, That's... you aren't, you, you aren't going to be, uh, you know. In the modern game, that is a lot of rushing yards to be. Rushing, a lot of rushing. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned if they gave up 300 passing yards a game just based on everything. So, but, you know, and they got – They've got a good edge rusher in Tyler Johnson. That's probably their best player. Um, you know, you look at this, like, I'm looking at, they had the, num- air quotes, number one scoring offense in the conference. It's because they only played four games, and one of them they beat Arizona 70-7. to So yeah. their, score, their scoring average is 40 points a game, but they, yeah. you know, they they lost games where they scored 27 and 18 points. So they weren't at all an elite scoring offense. <laughs> just and, like... and in that USC game, they weren't, didn't look that elite. Um, no. You're going to hate this name, but uh, my favorite name on the ASU roster, Chad Johnson Jr. <laughs> Is it really yeah. that Chad Johnson? Yeah. Does he play wide receiver? Yeah. Okay. Jr. I'm not seeing him on – the two deep. Yeah. Well, so he's a role player. You know what? It's a good name though. Chad Johnson Jr. Okay. Moving on to the final team. Uh, ranked number nine nationally by Athlon. Number one in the conference, I believe. Picked to win the conference by Athlon. I was reading the San Jose Mercury News today. They, they also chose the Oregon Ducks to win the conference. Um. So when I say this, I'm saying in terms of being ranked ninth nationally, I'd say slightly overrated. I, I would maybe, you know, bump them down to like 12 or 13. Um, this team got stomped by I, Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl. 
Um, you know, I'm not Stop. trying to throw too much. They were they won the conference and they deserved to win the conference championship game that they played in. Mm-hmm. They they backed into that by you know UW essentially having to forfeit due to COVID. So it's not as if they you know there's there's something of an asterisk on that on that championship last year. Um, but I think um, you know tech, there's 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 still a quarterback battle happening. They've got um, guy who came in and, and played well the tail end of the season last year for them anthony brown he transferred from boston college i believe he's a super senior this year i think this is his final season but um he is crazy fast i mean when he when when he gets going downhill like he's a very dangerous runner and i think you know that this uh it's they're kind of going back to a with if it, with him at quarterback, it, I think it might look like a, a Chip Kelly team of yore uh, with a lot of a lot of RPO stuff. Um, and you know, a team, you know, if you can, if you have a quarterback that can get you four yards on the ground on first down, like that becomes a really tough offense to get off the field. It's just, it's just really hard. Um, so, um, you know, if you looked at their roster on on can, paper, can I just go ahead. jump in real quick? I, my only concern is why couldn't he be the starter at the beginning of last year if he had this experience coming from Boston College? That is what – that's what – it didn't seem like the fine gentleman he replaced could – I don't know, man. Tyler Show, like, he, he, he struggled he to complete a, a forward pass. Yeah, it was like, really bad. But when he – I mean, when he came in, he looked good. So, I don't know. Um so the other the other kid is Ty Thompson. He's like a four or five, you know, depending on the recruiting yeah. service, a four or five star guy. Um, I think he's he's more in the Jaden Daniels mold. Like he's not crazy fast in the open field, but he's he's got quick feet and and can buy time and and make plays. Um, it's still a battle. So clearly, like this Anthony Brown guy with all the the extra time he's had, you know, did not you know, separate himself or, you know, it doesn't, it seems like it's a legit um, quarterback competition because they haven't, they still haven't even started this late in camp, which I don't, I don't think they would do just to play games yeah. or make this kid feel like he's, he got a fair shot. Um, I, I read it. I read it as Anthony Brown being kind of the guy probably just because he can more consistently move the chains, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. The thing with Oregon, that's kind of like puzzling is like you look at their roster and, they're, so on offense, I think they're going to have probably one of the two or three best offenses in the conference, yeah, if, if not if not the best. You know, they've got yeah. they've always got a pretty solid offensive line. They've got one of the best offensive line recruits in the country joining their team, and yeah. he might not even he might not even start. Kingsley, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Suamataya. Um, so they've got a really good offensive line and they've got probably four or five really dangerous wide receivers. They've got two or three really good backs. Um, so like their offense will be humming. I think um, they just, you know, if with the right quarterback, their defense, they've got great players on defense. Like yeah. you look at every level of their defense, obviously like, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is depending on who you ask the first, second or third, pick in the NFL draft next year he's incredible um and 
really disruptive. You know, I would say probably single-handedly takes the other offense, you know, the opposing offense off the field every third or fourth drive with, you know, disruptive plays. Um, <clears throat> they've got like good linebackers. If they're always, they've, I think since Cristobal has been there, they've had kind of this pesky, um, handsy secondary. They, they kind of push the envelope in terms of contact and kind of dare, dare you to call it sort of a thing, which is high, highly effective. Um, so they've, I mean, they've got Michael Wright, I think is a really good uh, cornerback in their secondary. Um, but then they just aren't elite. Like they have the players and it just, they, they give up these, they give up long drives, they give up touchdowns. So I'm not really sure what's going on defensively. They've got Tim DeRoyer now as their you know, new defensive coordinator. Um, so maybe, maybe that will change. But last year it was just sort of puzzling because like they have all the pieces, but then they, you know, let teams stay in it. They obviously, they lost what, three games last year. Um, so I don't know. I, I, on paper, their roster is probably the best roster in the conference. Yeah. Um, but you don't win. You don't win games on paper. And, and I think you have to acknowledge they have won the conference the last couple of years. And I think what three of the last four, something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're definitely a contender. Um, I'm going to say, I, honestly, he's their best player. But the name Kayvon Thibodeau is a pretty good name in my opinion. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there's also the running back Sean Dollars. That's pretty good. Nice. Good names. Good names. Well, <laughs> that is that is it on the team. So we've team gone reason. we've gone kind of worst to first. Yeah. Um, do you well, want to talk about who you think will actually win this conference? Well, let's take a break and we'll come back with our let's do that season predictions. All right, here we are. Season predictions. Let's go with preseason conference award winners. Who is your offensive player of the year or, or candidates for it, I guess? I, this is this is a lazy answer, but yeah. I'm going to say Jarek Broussard, who won the award last year. Yeah. Until proven otherwise. What about you? Uh, yeah, until proven otherwise. I mean, I think um, I'm going to go with Slovis, Eden Slovis. Just, he's got the talent. He, uh, he has a running back now. Hope maybe that will open things up. So I'm yeah. picking him. Defensive player of the year. One, two, three, go. Cave on Thibodeau. Thibodeau yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say, I mean, the, the Washington fan in me wants to say a guy like Trent McDuffie, but you're not giving it to a cornerback unless he has like six or seven picks and makes some, uh, make some outstanding plays. Yeah. Uh, Really, really quick. Um, yeah. You know, it's impossible to pick who the offensive and defensive freshman of the year are, but I'll just, yeah. I'll just really yeah. quickly kind of rattle off some names of some, some names to watch. I mentioned Kingsley Sua Mataya. I'm not sure that he's actually going to start, but um, probably a future star in the league. Uh, Troy Franklin is the other guy at Oregon. He's a wide receiver that they're really excited about. So he, he could put up some big plays. They've got a pretty deep wide receiver core, so we'll see if he actually gets the rock. Uh, conversely, Cal does not have a deep wide receiver core, and they're really excited about this guy named J. Michael Sturdivant. So he might get some, might catch some passes. And then Michael, the, la yeah. the last one is Michael Trigg, tight end at USC, who uh, has been pretty, uh, made some pretty jaw-dropping plays in uh, in practice on on defense. 
Um, I would have said Will Latu for UW, but unfortunately um, he's injured and done for the, the year. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about Corey Foreman for USC, uh, Ethan Calvert, linebacker for Utah, Aaron Armitage, defensive end for Stanford. And then there's a guy named Devin Kirkwood, who sounds like he's already working his way into the 2D uh, at corner for UCLA. Um, one other one, Morris Trophy. Jackson. Jackson Kirkland, right? I, I have Jackson Kirkland, though Thibodeau did win it last year. So that'll be one of those two. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, K1, he's the best player in this conference, but yeah. none. He's, yeah, he's so incredible to watch. He doesn't have a down year. Yeah. Uh, who's your coach of the year? Clay Helton, obviously. Um, I, I, I think it could be Jonathan Smith. I kind of talked about how I think they could have a nice, a nice little year. Um, I think it's going to be maybe Jonathan Smith or, or Justin Wilcox. I think those are the teams that are going to surprise some people. Uh, I think it might be Whittingham just based on success. If, if, if they make, if they yeah. win the South. Yeah, I think, I think if they so. Win the South, yeah. Uh, but yeah. no, I think Smith is a great, is a great choice. You know, if they pull off a few victories, like you said, they have, they have the coaching, you know, and you need talent to win, but sometimes you can scheme victories uh as well um biggest game of the season all right so here's how we're gonna do this yeah you're gonna say what the what game you think is the biggest game of the season and i'm gonna tell you who wins that game and then we're gonna then we'll, we'll flip i have i have two i will go with the week six contest of the utah university of utah at the university of southern california uh, Utah has not won in Los Angeles since 1916, so I, I'm going with USC. In that wow, one. wow, was, was that your big game? It was not, oh, so okay. I, I think in conference, I, 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 I think, I think Oregon at UW on November 6th. Yeah, now since we're incredibly unbiased, yeah, who's gonna win that game? Ooh. Well, in the last what, 18 years, 16 years, eight, 17, 18 years, Washington's only won twice. Uh, yeah, for mentioned 2016 season and uh, the following year when uh, your boy, uh, your buddy, uh, I can't even think of his name, Taggart, Willie Taggart got smoked uh, Herbert's freshman year. Um uh, one of those was in Oregon. One of those was in Seattle. If I was a betting man, I mean, they didn't play last year. I think the Huskies would have won last year. Oh, you would say that. But uh, right now, I think it, the Ducks, just based on the talent at I, – I just don't trust the Ducks quarterbacks, though. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Cody, I don't you know. Have to, you have to say. You have to choose one. I think the Ducks – I think it would be the Ducks. Okay. What about you? Um, today, if I – yeah, if I had to choose, I would, I would probably choose the Ducks. Yeah. Today, as of late August, yes, I would pick that. So, we, we talked we're – both, we're both doubters on ASU. Sounds like, sounds like you're thinking Utah does win in Los Angeles and yeah. does win the South. And – faces Oregon 
in the championship. I would I would guess so. If I'm if I'm not confident in picking the University of Washington, I think it's Utah versus the Ducks. And and who wins in Levi Stadium in early December? I think it's gonna be Utah. Okay. Bold. Bold. That Bold move, really Cotton. Like heck for Zane officers fighting mutes. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going for a, I'm again uh, going for a really. Uh, I I think USC wins that game against Utah. Yeah. And we miss, like I mentioned before, wow. US. I shouldn't say we. I don't play for the team, and I'm yeah. supposed to be unbiased. But USC doesn't have to play <laughs> Oregon, Oregon or UW in the regular season, and so. You know, if they can beat the five teams in the South, they they probably win the South, because um, the out of division stuff is you know includes WSU and Oregon State. Anyway, uh, so I I think it's Oregon over USC in the championship game. So, with that, with you picking, with me picking Utah, you picking Oregon, uh, does the does the champion does do our champions make the uh, playoff? No. no, no, I don't think no. they do. <laughs> the only, the only way Oregon will make the playoff if they knock off Ohio State and win the conference. I, not, go, I, I want to believe it. Yeah, I want to believe in this conference, and I want even if it was Oregon, I would want a team to make it to the playoff this year. It's just none of the teams we talked about. To me, am I confident in expecting them to win? 12 or 13 games. Oh, I, I, absolutely. But if Oregon goes into Ohio State and only stubs their toe once along the way, it would be hard Ab- to leave them out. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know. uh, the the odds of a a one or two loss Pac-12 team. No shot. Of two, the, no shot of a two two loss. Okay, a one loss Pac-12 team making yeah. um, the playoff go up dramatically if. The, the conference has a good non-conference week yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. We got, I mean, they could, yeah. I mean, I guess you could have a two loss team if for some reason they win every non-conference game, which won't happen, but. Um, so we're going to start picking games. Yes. We only have, we're, we're here talking this week because there actually is a game this week. Yes. Week zero, uh, UCLA versus Hawaii. Yeah. Um. We're, we're going to keep track of our picks throughout the season. And what is the um, prize or penalty for winning or losing wow. at the end? Wow. Well, that's a great question. There can be a monetary penalty or there can be a pain and suffering uh, workout penalty. Mm, I'd rather have it monetary. I'd rather have a nice meal. All right. Uh, loser has to buy the other one. Um, either a really nice meal or a road trip and a in and out burger in Salem. Okay. Yeah, road trip to Salem, or we're going to Camlas. It's one of the other, okay. one of the two. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So with that, um, and we're just picking straight up. Yeah. And we're not really doing scores or spreads or anything like that. Um, I think it's a pretty easy pick for us this week. But who yeah. do you have? Yeah, uh, UCLA, I know we're not going to use the spread. They're 18-point favorites, I think. Okay. Uh, Todd Graham at Hawaii, I think. Uh, I think I think UCLA will handle fairly well. 
I didn't I didn't see the spread, but I I blindly my 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 score prediction I threw up here was UCLA thirty eight Hawaii twenty two so sixteen yeah. point victories oh, okay. so not not covering. I see like a forty two twenty one type game. Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. Same ballpark. Same ballpark. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, Tim. I'm excited yeah. to do this every week with you, man. Yeah, we will, and we'll get uh, we'll get it. Uh, well, yeah, we'll have um, we'll have week week as you said, it's week zero. We'll have week one coming up. And we'll have more games to talk about, but yeah. I have a feeling we won't go quite this long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just a preview. It's always, it's always, always a little long. We'll get the yeah. We'll uh, we'll 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 tighten it up a little bit, eh? I, hype and bluster will will fall aside, and we'll have to deal with the grim reality of, yeah. of uh, actual wins and losses. Wins and losses. Well, for Cody Peterson, I'm Tim Kelly, and this is Best Coast Football.